Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in today. I'm honored you would let me and Pastor Josh have some time with you on this Sunday evening. How blessed we are, and we're very grateful for that. Now, we have exciting things happening very soon again here at Antioch. We just finished our Jubilee, which was out of this world, literally. Wow, what powerful uh, anointed messages and spirit in the place for all those days and services. And we finished up there on Wednesday night. That spirit is still here with us, and we're so grateful for the work of the sweet Holy Spirit. But coming up, March 8th and 9th, we will be honored here at Antioch Baptist to host the Southwest Radio Ministries Prophecy in the News Live. And I'm so excited about having them March 8th and 9th. That's a Friday and Saturday. Pastor Josh is staff evangelist for them, as well as our co-pastor here. He will be saying much more about that when he comes in just a few moments. But one of the major themes of our Jubilee I want to discuss today because it is speaking of really the greatness of our God even in what is happening over in Israel and in the Arab world now. And I looked in Deuteronomy chapter number 32, and I was certainly blessed and amazed at how Moses here, think about this now, in the region of the world where all the eyes of the world are on at this time, the Middle East, Moses in Deuteronomy 32 has some things to say about the greatness of our God that points the eyes of Israel at that time, a newborn nation, points the eyes of Israel toward the Lord God Almighty, the greatness, the power, the magnificence of their God. And Deuteronomy is the most quoted book by the Lord Jesus Christ. He quoted the book of Deuteronomy more than any of the other books of the Old Testament. And also, Deuteronomy was required reading before the armies of Israel went into battle. They were to always be reminded of the greatness, the power, the goodness of their God. And here is a song of Moses in chapter 32, and I thought it so appropriate. This seemed to be one of the major themes of our great Jubilee Bible Conference meeting that we had, and that is the greatness, the power, the goodness of our God. And you and I need to know that today, particularly as we watch what's going on there in the Middle East, and we realize that America uh, in my opinion, already we're involved in a war there. Already with uh, Russia's input and with Iran and China's input over there. Uh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we might as well wake up and look and understand things are coming together for the coming of the Lord Jesus. 
And what does God want to tell us? I believe it's exactly the same thing that Moses sung about in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It's called the Song of Moses. And here's what he has to say. I want to begin in verse 1, but concentrate on verse number 4. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Saying simply in the verse that all creation must pay attention to what God is saying through Moses here. What I'm saying, he says, My doctrine, my teaching shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. He said, What I have to say, my teaching, my doctrine, my song is so necessary and so welcome. And you and I should welcome it. We should realize how necessary this is for us as well. Verse number three, he says, I will publish the name of the Lord, Yahweh, the I am that I am, Jehovah, Jesus. I'll publish the name of the Lord and ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Tells us the theme of his song right there. The Lord Yahweh, Jehovah, our Lord, the I am that I am. Jehovah in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. Ascribe ye the, genera- the greatness of our God. He, I want you to know this. Then in verse number four, listen. He is the rock. That is so very important to realize. He is the rock that we stand upon, the truth, the rock. The church is built upon the rock, the Lord Jesus himself. He tells us that in his own words, as he's closing the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord says, upon this rock, myself, I will build build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Upon this rock, the rock, the rock, the shadow in a weary land, the rock that the wealth of water and resources came out of the rock that we stand upon that shall never be moved. And Isaiah refers to it as simply a rock of all ages and for all people. That rock, my friend, is what Moses is in reference to here. He is the rock. His work is perfect. How could we add anything to the work of God? We cannot. His work is perfect. All his ways are judgment, are just and correct. He is the rock, our foundation, our well-established foundation. He is perfect in his work. His ways are always just and correct. A God of truth. How wonderful to know that our God can never lie, that he always speaks truth, Of course, the opposite of that is Satan is always a liar. Satan is always a deceiver. Satan is always a murderer, but not our God, the God of truth. And without iniquity, absolutely 100% without sin or fault or failure, without iniquity, just and right, Good is he. That's our God. He is good. He is great. We've read already 
the greatness of our God. And now he says he is good. He is just. He is right. He has no iniquity. There's absolutely nothing in him that is wrong. And he is that one that we have full confidence in, in this day. You and I, just as Moses was singing here to the new nation of Israel, not that old at the time, Moses is singing and saying and telling them, listen, God, the Lord, Yahweh, the I Am that sent me to you, that sent me to bring you out of Egypt, when he asked, Lord, who should I tell them sent me when I go to Egypt and talk to the leaders of the Israelites? Who shall I say sent me? And the Lord said, tell them the I am sent you, the Lord, Yahweh. Tell them that. And here's this word again. The Lord, I am, I have sent you. And he's the great God, the greatness of our God. He is the rock. He is the one perfect in his work. His ways are just and right. He's the God of truth without iniquity and just and right is he. Now, I repeated that because not only did the children of Israel need to know that. There they are getting ready to go into Canaan land. They needed to know that. But you and I need to know that. Here we are. I think, approaching the close of the age of this dispensation of grace. And he wants you to know, my friend, that he is the rock. When the transitions come, when the dispensation closes, and the rapture of the church takes place, my friend, when you and I need to focus on these wonderful truths, because all hell will break loose on this earth, and it will shake and roll and rock for sure. You and I won't be here for that. We definitely are watching, I believe, what is the, the work of God coming to a place and the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist and the work of the Antichrist, uh, the times of the tribulation are falling into perfect place you and I had to be here to watch this happen. And here we are reminding us, reminding you, reminding myself that our God is in control. Verse number seven, a very important verse two in this song. The whole thing is, but verse seven, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee, what he's saying is don't forget how God has already taken care of you over these 2,000 years of the age of the church. Notice how he has built his church upon the rock. Notice how he sustained his church. Now, who's the church? It's every born-again believer, regardless of nationality, color, or creed, every person who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, trusted Him, they make up the church. And the church is founded on the rock. And the work of God through His church is perfect. The ways of our Lord through in this world and through the 
believers in this world. We are know, we know for a fact he is just. He is the God of truth. There is nothing but goodness and greatness in him. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I are to be reminded, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask thy father, he will show thee, thy elders, they will tell thee. In the founding documents of America, there were constantly reminding those who would follow that this nation was founded upon Judeo-Christian ethics, Old Testament, New Testament principles, and that we would be maintained and sustained as we held to those wonderful principles because the Word of God is eternal. So you and I may go back even to the days of our Constitution and our Bill of Rights and the days of our Declaration of Independence and even the Constitution of nearly every state in America were all brought out of the Word of God. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy Father, he will show thee. Thy elders, they will tell thee. The senior citizens of today really have a lot to say when they can share with you the greatness of the God in their days, the greatness of our Lord, the greatness of Jesus. Let's don't write them off, nor the writings of our founding fathers. May we be reminded, as we're told here, remember these days of old. Remember the words of the generations past, thy father, thy elders, and follow in this direction. You and I have the same God, my friend. How blessed we are. A God that's great, a God that's good, a God that is the rock. He is the work that he's doing in the church is perfect. His ways are always correct. He's honest. He's truthful. He is the truth. He is good. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Josh has a lot to say. Come and be with us now, Pastor Josh. Thank you, Pastor Brad, and thank you, dear friends, for tuning in. It's my joy and privilege to get to spend the next few minutes with you. I want to share with you an article that I wrote recently for the Prophecy in the News magazine. And the whole issue had to do with creation. And I wrote an article titled, Big Bang from a Biblical Perspective. I want to share some of those truths with you. Now, please do not forget, as Pastor Brad mentioned in the opening, that we are hosting a Prophecy in the News live event right here at Antioch Baptist Church. It's truly the best of both worlds for me, combining the work that I do with Southwest Radio Ministries and my affiliation here with Antioch Baptist Church, serving as co-pastor these last several years. And so please mark your calendars, March 8th and 9th, right here at Antioch Baptist Church. We're located right off of Exit 7 of Interstate 81, literally right next to the interstate, and very easy to find, very easy to get to, and we would love to see you. Now, this event is free, but we do ask for people to register in advance. How can you do that? 
One of the easiest ways you can do that is by going to swrc.com, click on events, then click on the Tri-Cities area event. It'll bring you to a page where you'll see all the times, the speakers, the topics that they're going to be talking about, when they're going to be speaking. And uh, then also on that same page is the link to register. So you can register right there. Now, if you don't have access to the Internet, if you don't have ability to do those kinds of things, you can also call 1-800-652-1144. Again, the number is 1-800-652-1144. And just tell them that you'd like to register for the upcoming Tri-Cities Prophecy in the News live event. That's a Tri-Cities Prophecy in the News live event. And we've got a wonderful lineup of speakers coming, including uh, nationally known speaker, best-selling author, William J. Federer, Bill Federer will be here, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Mark Linstead, uh, I'll be here, Clayton Van Hus, Dr. Greg Patton, Micah Van Hus, Larry Stam. We're looking forward to a great time together. Again, that's coming March 8th and 9th here at Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. We're excited to be able to host this this year, and we invite you And would you help us by inviting others to come with you? We want to pack the place out and we want you to be blessed. You see, these events aren't just so that we can get in front of a crowd of people and teach God's word. That's part of it. But another big part of it is equipping the saints and and also helping people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior to understand the good news. So there's going to be a lot of information shared, yes. But one of the things that I love about these events is the ability that we have to build relationships with others. And that is so crucial to these things. See, we we want to not just minister through what we say from the stage, but also in the conversations and how we can pray with you, how we can encourage you, how we can equip you to walk more closely with the Lord. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. And thank you so much in advance for what you would do uh, to be here. So let me share some of this article from the most recent issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine about the Big Bang from a biblical perspective. You know, one of my teachers from seminary was Dr. Norman Geisler, and I owe quite a bit to him. And I sat under him for several different courses. God blessed me with that opportunity, that open door to be able to do that he was a great Christian apologist and theologian of his own right. Wrote so many scholarly volumes. It's just mind-blowing to me how he's able to accomplish so many various things that he did as a seminary professor, writing many books. But then he became the founder and the president of a seminary. And that's a full-time job in itself, but he didn't slack off in writing. He continued to crank out books and projects and to travel and to speak and so much more. I don't see how he found enough time in the day to be able to accomplish all that he did, but God just blessed him with a wonderful gift. And and his life story is, is something remarkable. You say, man, some people are blessed with all the gifts. That wasn't Dr. Norman Geisler. That's another story for another day. If I get into that, I'll never get into the Big Bang from a biblical perspective. But I just wanted to say simply this. He grew up having teachers who told him, you'll never even graduate from high school. Well, he ended up earning his Ph.D. and writing 
over a hundred books, if my memory serves me correctly. So uh, don't let people lie to you. Don't let people discourage you. Don't let the accusations or uh, the outlook of others discourage you. And so he wrote this, if there is no God, why is there something rather than nothing? That's an important question that we must consider. If there is no God, why is there something rather than nothing? Now, he asked a atheist this question during a debate at the University of Miami. And typically in an academic debate setting, the debaters will focus on swaying the audience to their side while just really guarding against giving up any kind of ground to their opponent. And so the atheist finally and publicly admitted, that is really a good question. That is totally terrible uh, argument and debate technique displayed, but the atheist just admitted it in front of everybody. That's a really good question. So if the universe and life had a beginning, something or someone had to cause that beginning. And so the question is, is the universe eternal? Are space and time and matter eternal? So if the universe and life had a beginning, how did it begin? Was it purely natural causes or was it an intelligent being who was purposefully behind it all? What do I mean by natural causes? I mean natural in the sense of no, uh, uh, no purpose behind it, no intelligence behind it that is driving it forward. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about, and it may help you to wrap your mind around these concepts. Uh, suppose that the Wright brothers, when they flew their airplane in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and they just covered it up with a big canvas, they covered it over, they left it there to purely natural means, what's going to happen? They leave it out in the wind, in the rain, the erosion, the sun, the heat, the cold, all the different factors of weather and and no intelligent being, no animal, no human being ever touched it. It's just sitting covered up for a hundred years, let's say. And somebody goes back, peels back the covering, and voila, there's a brand new fighter jet in its place. Wow, what an astonishing act of nature has taken place. Now, would we think that natural means changed the Wright brothers' rickety old airplane that's over 100 years old at this point into a brand new fighter jet by purely natural causes without any intelligent intervention whatsoever? Doesn't that sound cuckoo? You know, doesn't that sound crazy to think that way? It does. It does. It really takes a lot of faith to believe that's what happened. What seems more plausible if you were to go back and see a brand new fighter jet standing there, the same place where the Wright brothers had their plane 100 years before, you would say intelligent beings designed and built and took out their old rickety plane and put in this brand new one right here in the same spot to take some pictures to show how the airplane had changed over the years. Now, some people refer to this as the evolution of the airplane, the evolution 
of the airplane. Now, has the airplane really evolved by purely natural causes? No, absolutely not. Again, it's cuckoo to think that it is just purely natural cause without any intelligent intervention. You see, our eyes, our brains, they are made to recognize design. Dr. Geisler used to argue this way, that we, we recognize design wherever we go. What about the sand dunes? Sand dunes have a natural cause, don't they? Wind, water, erosion, different factors combine to create sand dunes. But if you're walking along the same stretch of beach and you're admiring the beautiful sand dunes to one side, and lo and behold, you come up against this sand castle art, six feet tall structure that's crafted out of sand and exquisitely detailed. What are you going to say? Look at what the wind and the waves, the erosion carved this beautiful structure. And here it is right before our eyes. No, absolutely not. You're going to say, where's the person who built this? Look at how, what a great job they've done. I want to meet the artist that created this beautiful sand sculpture. And what if you're looking up in the sky and you see the clouds going overhead and you're just daydreaming about what it is and, and you're trying to figure out some kind of shape in the clouds. And then there's an airplane that's doing some sky riding and it says drink Pepsi or drink Coke. I won't get into the argument over which is better. I'll let you decide which one you like better. And you see that in the sky. Wow, there's a message in the clouds. Look at how the clouds have shifted to reveal this message to drink Pepsi or to drink Coke. I got to go after that. I got to get that. Where's it at? Let me have it. And uh, the sky is telling me this message. Was it the sky? Was it purely natural causes that revealed that? No. It was an intelligent being who wrote that intelligent message. So our eyes, our brains, our minds are hardwired to recognize design. And we recognize that the Wright brothers didn't just leave their airplane sitting out there in the middle of nowhere and come back and find a brand new fighter jet taking its place. If there is no God, going back to our original question, if there is no God, why is there something rather than nothing? And if the universe and life had a beginning, which it did, scientific principles show us that the universe and life had a beginning. I could get into all the different scientific principles, and really I unpack a lot of that in the article. And I'm not just going verbatim through this article. In fact, I'm just using it really to talk about this bigger discussion. And so I encourage you, you can pick up a copy of the Prophecy in the News magazine. This is the most recent issue, issue number 19, where I write about this. And you can go to swrc.com or prophecyinthenews.com and pick up a copy of this particular magazine where the article appears if you're interested in reading some more about it. But again, going back to this big question... If the universe and life had a beginning, where did it come from? And there's an infinite regress uh, for the people who are naturalists. And they say, well, it was these atoms. Well, where did the atoms come from? And they get annoyed with that kind of questions. They get uh, annoyed when people keep asking that. But they've got to come up with an answer because it did have to come from somewhere. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing ever could 
sang Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, and she is 100% correct. Nothing can come from nothing. Nothing ever could. It had to come from somewhere. Was it just purely natural causes? It was just chance and circumstance? Well, it had to come into being some way, somehow. Which takes more faith to believe? That it came into existence by mere random chance and time and by purely natural causes, or that there was a super intelligent being who had a plan and had a purpose for it all in mind, and he brought it into being in just the perfect way. Which takes more faith to believe? I'll let you answer that question. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.